everyone. Welcome to the Let It Be podcast. I'm your host, Becky Ziegenfuss. Each show, I share conversations around purpose and promise. We talk about friendships, family, faith, all the favorite things. Make this your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. Welcome back to the Let It Be podcast. If you have been hanging with me since the very beginning, you know my next guest. He was on episode two and three with us, and his name is Dr. Doug Frank. And if you have been following along on Facebook, his original group was called Dr. Frank's Model, and now he has renamed it to Follow the Data with Dr. Frank. But what's so exciting today is that the real superstar of the Frank family is here with us, and her name is Nellie. Now, if you know anything about this family, you know that she is just the brightest light that brings so much joy. So she's here with us today, and we're going to get to hear from both of them. So Dr. Frank, welcome back. Well, it's good to be here, Becky. Nice to see you again. Thanks for having me back. It's so good to see you. And most importantly... I got to meet someone super special. Nellie, thanks for coming on my podcast. Could you say hi to everyone listening? Hi. (laughs) And for everyone listening, I wish I could have a video camera set up because when Nellie came in, she didn't even give me a chance to say hello. She just gave me the biggest bear hug ever. And it might have been, for sure it was the best hug I've had today, if not the best one I've had all year. So Nellie, thanks for the big squeeze. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Dr. Frank. So we need an update on what's been going on. I think the last time you were here, you were hovering around 26,000 followers. Where are you now? We're about uh, 46,000 now, (laughs) and it's growing about 1,000 a week. And when you add up all the shares and the the reach, you can figure out that it's about 100,000 people see what we post there every couple of days. So it's having quite a wide... Uh, reach. Yeah, that is unbelievable. And my, this is my personal opinion. I really think it's because you have taken the approach of using statistics and data to explain the pandemic that our country has now been walking through since March. And using statistics and data has given people a sense of objective hope. Yes, instead of saying, well, this might happen or we could have this horrible disaster, we're following what's actually happening. And so then people, it gives, helps them keep a level head, it helps them know what's really happening and sort through the various reports that they're hearing, yes. so, which are usually really scary. Um, and I don't listen to that stuff. I don't find it to be helpful nor informative. I get all my data by scraping various websites around the world to get the, the most raw data I can possibly get mm-hmm. before it's had a chance to be manipulated and shaped into a narrative that somebody mm-hmm. wants it to have. So the raw data, getting right to the core, show people what's actually going on is, is my objective. So our, our motto on the page is follow the data. Yeah. And we don't have to go through all of your bio that we went through the first time. No, but if fine. you have not listened to episodes two and three, I highly encourage you to go back. It's even a great benchmark to see where we were back in July and to hear a little bit about Dr. Frank's background. You, we, I guess go ahead and just give us a quick synopsis of 
who you are as far as your day-to-day. Yeah, I'm a, I have a PhD in surface electric chemistry, and I've been doing science aggressively for about 40 years. Mm-hmm. I helped start a school about 25 years ago for gifted children, and I do that a couple hours every day. But uh, mostly I'm an inventor and scientist and uh, do consultation. And um, uh, th- this sort of thing is is a hobby, but it's also my vocation. Uh, my specialty, if, if, if you want to do what if people said, well, Doug, what is your, what is the thing you're best at? I would say it is taking massive amounts of data, sorting through them, organizing them in ways that at a glance you can understand what's going on. So you, all the machines I design, all the devices, they typically collect vast amounts of data and then convert it to an image that you can quickly understand what's going on. And so COVID was just exactly that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's gather data from all around the world and figure out what's going on and then show it to people in a way that they don't have to know a ton of math. They can yeah. just look at it and go, I see what's going on. And if you can look at it, if the layperson can look at an image and immediately understand what's going on, I did my job right. Yes. If, if, uh, if I have to explain it, Okay, then I need to keep working on it. Yes. And I, so that's, that's my hobby, but it's also my vocation. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So give us an update. It's been, let's see, July, August, September. It's been three months wow. since you've been with us. Yeah. So give us an update where we are as a nation, as a state, and even as a city. Well, when I was here last time, I was basically telling you that the forest fire had come through and there were some hotspots left and most of those hotspots have now faded away. And and you can go around the United States, for example, and you'll see that most of the states have finished up their epidemics. You know, the way to think about this is to imagine that the epidemic started in China and it grew into a pandemic and it spread through Europe and then through North America and then Central America and South America. And so... It's, it's, they all don't happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's not, uh, it's not like a second wave. It's the first wave in each of those countries. So we had our first wave back in April. It peaked in April, just like uh, we were watching it on the page. Uh, and that's basically faded out. But as it was fading out, there was a, the Mexican wave was really coming in. Or you might think of it as the southern border states. Some of right. them, it was leaking over into them too. So, But fortunately, now it's, it's over. That's fade, uh, I wouldn't say it's over, I mean, but it's, we're, we're past the peak and it's fading away now. So you can see it in the, all the data now in all the states that the, the, that wave, I don't want to call it the second wave because it's not. <laughs> it's the first wave in that region uh, is basically over. But now something new has happened. The, essentially, the epidemic's over for us, but some people don't want it to be over. Mm. And some of the states are trying to stay shut down. And so what states that want to stay shut down, what they're doing is they're dramatically increasing the number of tests they're doing. And what you have to, you have to understand about testing is that there's a certain amount of false positives that you get from tests. And the way I explain that to people is like with a pregnancy test. If I were to go to the grocery store and buy a hundred of those pregnancy tests and then take a hundred men off the street and give it to a hundred men, most people are surprised to see that one or two of them would come back positive. And people are like, well, wait a minute. It can't be. Men can't be pregnant. I agree. You have to realize that that test is not a pregnancy test. It tests for certain hormones. And some men have physiology that make those hormones. Some men might have a a certain cancer that produces those hormones. And so 
that test is not designed for men, is it? It's designed for a woman who's Mr. Period, and she thinks, huh, I feel kind of funny. Maybe I'm pregnant. She goes to the store and takes a test. She's probably pregnant. Well, that's the problem with the testing they're using nowadays. It's not testing for COVID. It's looking for specific molecules that are related to COVID. And so one or 2% of the tests you get back are false positives. They aren't really COVID cases. Some of them are even from people who had the case back in April. They might've had one and they're, they just have a little bit left of the virus that's shedding from their body. They're not contagious, it's not active, but the, but the tests are so sensitive mm-hmm. that they're picking that up. So what's happening in a lot of the states now, states that want to stay closed down for various reasons, we don't have to get into the politics, but some states want to stay closed down. All the emphasis is on massive amounts of testing of random people. Mm-hmm. It's like taking random people off the street and testing them. Now, if somebody says, I feel sick, I might have COVID. I don't have anything against testing that person. Let's find out. Yeah, if they have it, okay, well, let's treat them. But to just go out and randomly collect tens of thousands of tests every day, which is what's happening like right now in Ohio, is it doesn't make sense. Uh, recently, uh, Ohio finally announced its uh, serology results just this last week and it showed that about one and a half percent of people have had have had COVID in our state and I love it because that's exactly what I was predicting (laughs) months and months ago so it it confirms my thinking on this but you realize if you're testing somebody who had it they might test positive even though they don't have it now and so that's and guess what that's about one and a half percent and right now if you're out of the 30,000 or so tests that people are doing every day they're getting about two to three percent some of those are false positives some of those are uh, people that had it in the past and and uh, and I wouldn't deny some of them probably actually have a case but it's no longer an issue really anymore if you look at the graphs I've been putting up you can see very clearly Mm -hmm. that the epidemic has faded Mm -hmm. and it's nearly complete in just about everywhere in in the United States. So how about that for an update? Yeah, that's good. So neither you nor I are saying that this is a hoax. Oh no. That this is not anything. And that this has been a real life affecting virus for so many people. We're in agreement on that, right? hundred percent. So what do you say then to the person who still is just really scared? Because the reality is for some people, it's something to be really, really afraid of. But for the vast majority of us, it's a different scenario. What do you say to that person? I can't blame them for being afraid. They're being bombarded constantly with media reports that are scary. It would be like if you're looking on the distant horizon and you see clouds coming and the weatherman came on the station that night and said, run for the cover, run, run for the cellar. Here comes a hurricane. And every day you were hearing that, you'd be afraid too. I totally understand that, and I don't fault them for being afraid. However, what I like to do is I like to say, now, keep a level head, people. Let's look at these data together. And what I find is if if people could just take a deep breath and look at the data, many times they'll, they'll go, oh, wait a minute. This isn't as bad as I thought it was. And then I can have a chance to say to them, yeah, why, uh, what you're hearing uh, in the various news reports isn't really giving you the right picture, is it? No. Okay. So maybe you don't have to be afraid. So that's, that would be one way to help people deal with their fear to, it's kind of a rational approach. The problem is fear is irrational. So the rational approach doesn't work for everybody. So sometimes you need a spiritual approach. Sometimes you need to remind people that, that God is in control and that 
uh, God is uh, able to control the outcome of what is going to happen. And you know, on the page we've been looking in chapter chapter eight of Luke in the Bible, and it's a wonderful chapter. It goes systematically through Jesus. What kind of man are you that even the wind and the waves listen to you? Okay, and then he casts the demon out of the demoniac in Gadarene, and then he heals a woman of of a of a blood leakage, and then he raises a Jairus' daughter from dead. So one after another, Luke is cataloging Jesus has power over nature. God has power over illness. God has power over death. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people who are afraid Mm -hmm. to remember that God's in control. So there's a there's a rational scientific way to maybe calm people down. Yeah. And then there's a spiritual way to mm-hmm. maybe calm people down. And and then there are physical things, you know, stress and anxiety. Get out and exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, get that mask off and exercise in your backyard and get all that adrenaline going and then mm-hmm. all those endorphins going. And mm-hmm. and I try to get back to as normal as possible. And that's one of the reasons why I've been encouraging uh, people to get back into school. You know, I've done all the statistics on the kids. Yeah. for the whole country. And it's like minuscule threat to children. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to worry about your kids. If they're, you know, if they've got some comorbidity or something, okay, yeah, well, be careful, protect them. But most of the kids, if they get it, it's like most of them won't even know they had it. Mm-hmm. So get them back to being healthy. And, you know, I was uh, interviewed recently by a, a newsman up in Columbus. And after that interview, it was kind of fun because I was sitting there at the table and the, the group, a group of adults gathered around because all the cameras are there, yeah. you know. And uh, after Brad Johansson left, the people started asking me questions. And, you know, it was fun. I was answering their questions for them and none of them were wearing masks and they were all just standing outside. And, and I looked over and the reason they were all gathered is because their children were playing softball. Mm. And it was Wonderful to listen to all those children screaming and squealing and mm-hmm. running and swinging the bats and throwing the balls. And they were just having a great time. And, and I drove away from that event. I'm sure it was fun to be with, with the famous newscaster. And <laughs> it was fun to be, you know, flattering to, to be interviewed uh-huh. by him. Yeah. But I got to admit, when I left, I felt full mm. because I watched the children yeah. playing. That really made my day. So... That would be another way to advise mm-hmm. people. Get get out and, and interact in ways that are healthy. So yeah. if you say, what, how would I advise people? That's, you know, yeah. there, there's three different ways. I'm sure there are more, but yeah. that would be, those would be right off the top of my head. Your page is not a faith-based page. That is not the intent of it. No. However, you do share your faith quite a bit. What has been the feedback of people who follow you, the 46,000, <laughs> and how faith has maybe resonated with them in a way it, hadn't before well you know at the beginning of the page i wasn't doing anything faith-wise i was only just talking about the data mostly mm-hmm. and of course i i did mention that i was a christian because i was very transparent on the page i want people to feel like they can trust me um that i'm 100 transparent and one of the things that happened was it was one night it was the middle of the night i was having trouble sleeping it was pretty much 
like maybe mid-March, I think it was somewhere in there. And I was feeling a little low. And so I read Psalm, I was reading Psalm 23. It just happened to be the next one in my list. And, and it just was really felt good. Mm-hmm. So I posted it. And within minutes, I think there were like 50 likes on it within minutes. And it r- made me realize that people need a place where they can feel vulnerable and safe mm-hmm. and restored. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I took a hint from that and I started posting more and more. Now, uh, then I started posting a, a Proverbs every day, mm-hmm. you know, the one that matched the day of the, and when I finished that 30 days, because there are 31 Proverbs, mm-hmm. when I finished that, people were saying, wow, I haven't read a whole book in the Bible in decades. And they were proud of themselves. And then I thought, hey, wow, people are really connecting to this. And so I, I began to do, every week I do a little bit, especially Sundays, I like to post a couple of passages of scripture. And mm-hmm. I just give my, I give my interpretation of those. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm a world famous Bible scholar or anything, but I, I'm aggressive. I'm a real Christian and I've been aggressively studying the Bible my whole life. And, you know, like I read the New Testament in Greek when I do it and I just love it. So I try to pass that along. Now, along the way, every once in a while, I'll get some, you know, poopy person who will say, oh, you know, Dr. Frank, this is supposed to be all about science and blah, blah, blah. And no, that's, I never said that's what the page was. I said, the page is my lab notebook. It's where I'm writing down all my thoughts as I'm having them. And if you don't want to listen to that, that's perfectly fine. Just that's the beautiful thing about the computer is you just go click and then you're not listening to that anymore. So you can choose what you want to see. But right now there are 10,000 people that'll hear or read what I wrote about a piece of scripture every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and they like it. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't like it, fine, don't look at it. I'm not forcing anything on you. You wouldn't think that facts and statistics could cause division. And yet we have seen that. For me, I, there were a few weeks ago, there was a post that you had specifically asked us to share. And I think if I remember correctly, it was asking Ohioans to share because it was an update of where we actually were with numbers in the state of Ohio. And so I did, I shared it on my page and it was also right when school had started. And so we have three kids who are back to school in person and although they really love being back with their friends and back with their teachers who they had missed and having that interaction and even the structure. So healthy for them. So healthy. For the first time ever, all three of them had some angst about going to school and it had nothing to do with friendship issues. It had nothing to do with the stress of the of grades or the curriculum or anything like that. It really revolved around just the stress that came with division. Masks, yes. Plexiglass everywhere. Assigned tables at lunch where you can see your friends, but you can't necessarily interact with them. And our reality, and this was my reality, was that our son especially was just really struggling with it. So as I shared your data to say, hey, listen, this is where we are. And yet my concern of my son's mental health is being affected more, in my opinion, my reality again, than his physical health. And the purpose of my post was really, I guess, just to say, this is our reality, and I want you to know the data. However, sharing that data, as I got some comments, I saw was causing division. 
and we are leaders in our community. We, our sole goal is truly to point people to Jesus. And I run everything that I post through multiple filters. I even cross check it often with my husband. But this particular post garnished some responses that felt of, of the people who responded, they felt like I was causing division, which is not what I wanted to do. And so I took the post down. So what is your advice to someone who wants to share the data, but also doesn't want to cause division? Yeah, you're not alone. Um, I've had that question from many people. They say they're afraid to share the data that I put on the page. Even, I mean, sometimes I put my opinions up there. Yeah. And, you know, if you share one of my opinions and it's controversial, well, then you can expect some division about it, right? And people will argue about it. But if all I do is put up the data and show you exactly what is happening, no commentary, no nothing. I just say, here's Ohio. Here's what it looks like in every county. Spread the word. This is what's actually out there. And if people object to that, it's it's surprising in, in, in the sense that people should be willing to know what reality is. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole group of people that are so afraid and have so bought into the whole fear narrative that they see that as a threat. They see showing you the calm facts mm-hmm. that it's not as bad as maybe it's being portrayed. They see that as controversial. Mm-hmm. But uh, I... I um, I made the decision early on on the site that I was going to emphasize the truth as best as I could and show the data as best as I could. Uh, There's sometimes I need to interpret the data and I I try to make that clear when I'm doing that, but it's scary for people. And then you have all the political interests that have come in. And I have a saying on the page that science and politics don't play well together. And so Anytime you just leave scientists to themselves, they'll scream and yell and argue with each other for a couple of years, but eventually they'll come to the right answer if you let them work at it. But once the politics gets into the mix, it can take decades to resolve scientific questions. And so I think a lot of this that's happening right now, the science has been clouded by the politics. And so people's fear, people's political views, they come before the data. Mm -hmm. So even if you show them the data, they don't. They can't even see it. They're already down a certain way of thinking. So my advice to the people on the page, as I've been posting these things, is I've been saying, you don't have to argue. You don't have to make an argument. You can just say, here's the latest from the CDC, okay, and put it up there. Or there's a, a good site up there called usafacts.org that has all. It has it by county, all the data by county, and you can just say. You know, I'm not choosing sides. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. Here's Here it where is. reality. Mm-hmm. And and so a lot of people are sharing yeah. the data that way. And I just did um, updates yesterday um, of all of the states in America. And people are sharing them like crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if 200,000 shares within the next yeah. you know day because everybody's just sharing the data. This is where we stand as a nation. Yeah. And I will be the first to say I won't always get it right. But I, the majority of the time, want to do it well. Yeah. And, and that is to share the information, but at the same time not create division, where for any reason yeah. someone is turning away or against or from the person I want to point the most to, which is Jesus. So. Well, I don't think you're alone. Uh, imagine Jesus walking through the countryside. <laughs> I don't think he was... Uh, 
he was a controversial person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. His yeah, narrative is. did not align with the narrative of the day. So, you know, if, if Becky Ziegenfuss was given the choice of whether to be controversial about Christ or not, I think you'd be controversial. Yeah. I think you would make that choice. Mm-hmm. But I, I would probably agree with you that if, if you're posting the data causes division in the body that you serve, you would reconsider that. And I think you did that. So, I mean, uh, Jesus was no mamby pamby, uh, <laughs> wimpy guy. Uh, he took a whip and went into the temple yeah, and kicked some major butt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, he was a, he was a tecton. He was a builder. The Greek word is tecton. You recognize that word from tectonic plates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He, people think, think he's a carpenter, but it's, it's probably more accurate to think of him as a stone guy, a stone. I can imagine he's a pretty burly guy. I wouldn't want him coming after me with a whip. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. so he was, he was no mamby pamby sure. guy. So he, I don't think he was afraid of controversy. I mean, he went right in and really lit into the scribes first and sees mm-hmm. hypocrites. Remember mm-hmm. that dialogue? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't fault you for being more strategic about what you share. Well, thanks. Yeah. So we have some holidays coming up that will be yeah. full of gatherings. And I've noticed in the news, which I know you don't pay attention to the news, so you're truly the smartest one in the room. <laughs> but I've noticed in the news that there have been some guidelines laid out around things like Thanksgiving, which is probably the largest gathering holiday that's coming up. So what advice, what direction can you give statistically for how do we gather safely? Statistically, we're in really good shape. Most communities are, they're essentially finished with this. So um, if you do the odds, it's something like five to 10 to one. You know, if you'd asked me two months ago, I would have said it's five to one. Now it's probably 10 to one. I haven't done the calculation recently. 10 to one, more likely that you'll be killed in an auto accident than you would be by COVID. Mm -hmm. So would I advise you never to drive anymore? No, I would Mm -hmm. say drive carefully. Uh, because driving is dangerous. It's great, but it's dangerous. So be careful, drive careful. Mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing about COVID. Thanksgiving is great. Have a great Thanksgiving. Love your people, uh, love your family, be intimate, hug, snuggle, just drive carefully. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Be use good hygiene. If someone's traveling from another, I mean, think about it. If you're already been hanging with your family for months anyway, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Now, if you have people coming out of town Mm -hmm. and if, you know, watch it. If if somebody's got a fever or they're not feeling good, okay, well, let's be smart about it. Let's drive carefully. Mm -hmm. So that would be my advice about that. Um, There's, the risk is really low. So you shouldn't be afraid Mm-hmm. It's sort of like driving a car. Are you afraid to drive somewhere? No, you just are careful. Right. And so it's the same way with this. Don't be afraid. Just be careful. Yeah. Is there anything, anything specifically right now that you see maybe behind the scenes in your world of diving into numbers and things like that, that you think we should know? I know there's a lot of data on your page. Oh, yeah. But anything specifically? I think the thing that's been really driving me in the last couple of weeks, and I've been doing a lot of in-depth statistical work on this. I haven't posted a lot of it yet on the page because most of it's going into affidavits and and uh, testimony to help some of the lawsuits around the country. But what's what's shocking to me is it's, it's a term called excess deaths. And what it means is that, you know, there's a certain number of people that are going to die because of COVID and that's tragic and nobody is demeaning, nobody's belittling that. Um, but there are also a certain number of deaths that are going to happen because of the way we're addressing COVID. 
And an example of that, I, I put a post up a couple months ago where I was talking about my mother-in-law who passed away in December. She was a diet of Alzheimer's dementia uh, before COVID came. And she required daily intimate care or she would be terrified and in paranoia, dementia. It was, it was really unpleasant for her. I can't imagine being isolated from her and her not having the mm. kind of support we could provide. Well, there, because I understand that situation, because we lived that as a family, I'm imagining now the people that are in that situation now where they're not allowed to see their loved ones. Those poor people that are isolated from their family. Well, now, it's not merely me just sitting around feeling sorry for them. There are numbers associated with that, and it's called excess deaths. So there are about, if if you know the average number of people that die each year from Alzheimer's dementia, that number has gone up dramatically this year. It's 30,000 higher than average. So our addressing, the way we're addressing COVID is costing us lives. Mm. Now, back in April, if if we're right in the middle of the big peak, it kind of makes sense. You could make a really good argument for why we would need to shut things down and why we would need to protect our rest homes and elderly people. It totally makes sense. I get that. But now that that intense period of time is over, now the cure is worse than the disease. Now we're actually doing more damage by overreacting to COVID because now we need to be in with those older people that need our daily care and they need daily touching and they need daily hugs from Nellie. They need, <laughs> they need intimate care. So that's just one example. And, and there, there are probably uh, another half a dozen categories. I've been digging deeply into those numbers, suicide and drug abuse and anxiety and people, people's quality of life is really bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it would be, you could argue that it was worth those sacrifices if we were trying to defend against a huge amount of loss of life from COVID. But now that it's over, now that the main epidemic's over, yeah. it's no longer justified to have this severe of a mitigation efforts. It's time to loosen those up. It's time to deal with other, because otherwise we're going to have other consequences. Mm-hmm. So that's what's been on my mind the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. especially. I'm working really hard on trying to quantify that. And then that way we can make a compelling argument and yeah. to our leaders to say, okay, you you took us down this road. We understand why you were doing this, but it's time it's time to to get back to normal. So if if a vaccine isn't around for months still, yeah, what statistically, what are your predictions for where this? Because we haven't we're not quite into cold and flu season yet. So yeah. where this pandemic could be in the next couple of months? Well, the, the, there's an easy way to think about this. If you imagine that the forest fire has come through, like I've described, Mm -hmm. well, after, you know, imagine what that hillside looks like after it's been burned, right? It's all charred and all the dead wood's gone and all that's left were the strongest trees. Okay, now I'm going to put a torch in your hand and I'm going to say, go up there and try to start a fire again. You're going to be hard pressed to do Mm. that. It's, there's just not enough tinder around anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you wouldn't find a bush now and then, or maybe the first fire killed a tree or two that now Mm -hmm. is vulnerable, but it's going to be really hard to build a big fire again, a runaway fire. So the possibility is there. Mm -hmm. And and there are some communities that escaped the first time around. And so they might, there could be a small fire in that community, but the, the majorly vulnerable 
big, dense cities that have lots of public transportation, which is mm-hmm. like a perfect vector for spreading right. this stuff. By the way, the CDC just came out and said that it's not a respiratory virus anymore. They, they are reversing their position on that. They are saying it spreads by close contact. So imagine all those people in the New York subway snuggling each other twice a day. It's not that they're breathing in each other's face. It's that they're basically on top of each other in right. the subway twice right. a day. And so w- 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 the, the vector for spreading it, it, it's just, if you don't, if you're in this uh, rural communities, it just never gets going. Yeah. So yeah, there will. Be, so your your question's a good one. Will we see more COVID? Of course, we will see more COVID. Uh, but it it's bound to be very very low compared to the first time, just because the forest fires already taken all the the dead tinder and whatnot. And there, it it seems crass to say it, but the low hanging fruit, the easy to pick fruit, the people that were vulnerable has already been picked. Mm-hmm. So you're just not going to find as many vulnerable Same. people. To, to kill the second time around. Mm. And, and I'm not trying to be mean. It's just that's kind of the way it is. Yeah. yeah. I know that you have not started this page. You have not poured all of these hours. I can't even guess how many hours. Have you been keeping those stats? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the hours into this for yourself. But yet you have had a lot of opportunities to have some new spots, as you mentioned before, yeah. to be interviewed by people way more important than me. And you've gotten to really be a, a voice and a face, at least for this part of the country. So what's next? Is there something next on the horizon that you're even allowed to share or? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I didn't start the page, uh, for any reason other than I wanted to know what was going on. I'm a scientist. I did an experiment on myself. I said, am I safe? Am I is my school safe? Are my children safe? Is my family safe? I wanted to know for myself. I wanted to sort through the data. And I invited anybody that wanted to come along the journey with me to join me on the journey. And a lot of people joined. Yeah. And so, yes, I've become the face of rationality, I think, uh, and a place where people can go to get information. What's been fun for me is that because I, 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 another article just came out this week, uh, published in the American Thinker, where a guy was referencing my work, even wow. used some of my graphs. And, wow. and then there was a, another a famous doctor about a month ago that was interviewed on a, a station, and she was referencing my graphs. So there's what I like is that I've been putting out a rational view, realistic view of what's really going on, mm-hmm. and people are hooking into that. They're connecting to that, and it's giving them it's giving them a way to know where we stand without fear. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's there's sometimes this fear is a good thing. Yeah. You want to know if, if, if you should be afraid, you should be afraid. Right. But there's a time to not be afraid too. So you need to know where you stand. Well, um, because I'm kind of the face of that, uh, I've been getting a lot of um, phone calls these days mm-hmm. from politicians, from government leaders. They call me and they say, Doug, I have a debate tomorrow, or I have a paper I'm supposed to give tomorrow. Can you go through the data with me? And so I've been spending a lot of time with people coaching them Mm. on the data itself. Mm. And sometimes there's a really practical effect. It's kind of been fun for me. uh, A person will call me one day, and the next day their state website will change because of what I said, and it's like I can directly see the effects. Or, uh, Or there'll be... You know, now I don't know this for a fact, and this this sounds silly, but I just got to say it. But I did listen to the debate. It's one of the few things that I've listened to. What a <laughs> what a what a disaster that was! But anyway, I did listen to that, uh, and I could have sworn he quoted me 
Trump quoted me multiple times and because I'm not listening to them. So how could I get getting those words? It sounded like exactly the words I've been putting on the page. So I know a lot of people see what I write and, and say, and it's so where is it going? I, I think the, one of the reasons I changed the name from Dr. Frank Models to follow mm-hmm. the data with Dr. Frank is because after I, I assumed when we started the project that it was going to be over. March by May, June, because, right. because that's basically when the epidemic was over in this area. But um, what's happened is then people are asking me, well, what about these data? What about these data? And so it's like grown into their other kinds of data. Mm-hmm. There's this really cool sunspot record. Uh, the sunspots are going through a really interesting thing right now. So the, the astrophysics of the sun is really interesting. The climate's really interesting. The sea level is really interesting. The polar bears are really interesting. And so people are realizing, wait a minute, all these different narratives we've been hearing on the media, what are the actual data? Gee, did they tell the truth about COVID? Well, maybe sometimes they were misleading us a little bit. Maybe they're misleading us about other things too. So people are asking about all these other things. So guess what? I've been then saying, all right, well, let's go get those raw data. And we're downloading from the internet raw data in all these different categories. Oh, you want to know what's going on in the election? Don't look at the polling data. Those aren't raw data. Let's go look at the raw data. Let's find out what's mm-hmm. actually going on. So the page has kind of become a place where people learn to think for themselves. And uh, somebody, I, I gave a, a talk on Empower You Ohio uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the meeting, one of the uh, people in the audience wrote a comment. She says, she says, boy, when I listen to Dr. Frank, I feel smarter. And that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. I'm teaching people how to think for themselves, how, how not to rely on the narrative they hear, mm-hmm. but to, okay, when they hear something and it's important, don't just trust what you hear. Go have a look behind the scenes. Yeah. See what do some critical thinking. Find out, you know, find out. Do the data support that position? If it does, okay, fine. Then you can believe what you, the media narrative that you hear. But if, sometimes it doesn't, and yeah. or maybe sometimes it's not as clear cut as it's being made out to be. And so maybe it's more nuanced. Maybe you should look into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that the page is kind of growing into that, and then because of that too, I'm being called on by various people who want to need help analyzing their data. And so I've done some consulting with a few people nice. now um, to help them analyze. So maybe that's where that's going. I don't know. That's amazing. Uh, I didn't start it out to be this way. So I'm sort of letting it be organic. I'm letting yeah. I'm letting um, God decide. I guess um, you could imagine I'm just throwing myself up into the wind and then wherever the wind blows, that's where I'm going. Nice. So. Well, I am grateful for your voice. <laughs> I am grateful for your numbers and your statistics because I do like some hard facts to follow. And I think a lot of us, obviously, as your page continues to grow and grow and grow, agree that it's just super beneficial and really does provide a lot of hope. Thanks. I'm I'm glad. Yeah. So, Nellie, you've been waiting so patiently for your turn. We save the best for last, you know, when we come on this podcast. Do you want to put the headphones on? Yeah, now it's the real deal. Can you hear me? Yeah. Thanks for coming on my podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome. Uh, do you think your dad is is a pretty special guy? Mm-hmm. Why do you think he's so special? Um, I give her um special heart always um always um special heart loves uh love us um mom's a dad. Do you know why I think he's special? Yeah. Because he has you. Yeah. How old are you, Nellie? I'm 22. 
When's your birthday? November 18th. November 18th? That's that's just a little over a month away. Yeah. Is there anything special you're asking for for your birthday? Yes. What are you asking for? Um, a chocolate cake. Oh, a chocolate cake? What kind yeah. of icing? Pink. Anything else on it? Yeah, sprinkles. Sprinkles. I love that you're a girl that knows what you want. <laughs> How many candles do you want, Melanie? Six. Six candles on your cake. Yeah. That sounds perfect. It's nice and even. Yep. That's what, perfect. What are we going to do at your party? Um, the bowling. Oh, Nellie, I hear that you are a phenomenal bowler. Can you tell me a little bit about bowling? Yeah. What do you, how, how do you play? Are you like a really, really good bowler or do you just like to have fun? It was fun. You like to have fun? Yeah. But I hear you get lots of strikes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, strike spares. If you make a strike, what do you do? Um, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> you love to dance? Yeah. A little victory dance? <laughs> a chucky dance. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. You're good at that. <laughs> so, Nellie, on my podcast, I always ask people a couple of questions. One is I ask what they love. Mm-hmm. And you told me that you love bowling. Yeah. What else do you love? Um, love, um, love with friends. You love your friends? Yeah. You know what I know that you love? Because you gave me one. Yeah. Hugs. Hugs. Yeah. And I know that you like to snuggle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your dad always, he's really good about that. When he's working really hard on the page and it, and you come and say, dad, I want to snuggle. He's like, all right, folks, I'm out of here. Nellie wants her snuggles. It's time for me to go. Mm-hmm. That's pretty special. Mm-hmm. We snuggle every day, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because he loves you so much. Yeah, so much, yeah. So the other thing that I ask is I ask people that come on my show to share a prayer with the people who listen to this. Uh, Would share, you like to do that? Uh, Would you like to say a prayer for us? Yeah. Yeah? Put your mouth close to the mouth and say a prayer together. Oh, the Father, what to heaven, how the divine name, Father, keep it come, what be done, other as is heaven. Give us this day a daily bread, give us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do it as not into temptation, but for us for evil, for not the kingdom, a power, a glory forever. Amen. Let it be. Yep. Nellie, thank you for praying that. That's really, really special. Yeah. Do you know how many people are going to listen to that and just feel so loved because you prayed that today? Yeah. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Have you ever done a podcast before? Yeah. Will you come back? Yeah. Because you're famous now, right? Right. Yeah. I love it. Mm. Well, Dr. Frank... Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. A pleasure. Thank you for bringing Nellie. That's the fun part. (laughs) And thank you for being my friend. Likewise. I hope you got a lot out of my conversation with Dr. Frank and Nellie. There are so many thoughts and opinions around this worldwide pandemic, and I am so grateful for Dr. Frank's voice and for the hours he has poured into sharing the data and hard facts with those who follow him. As he says, and as his Facebook page is called, follow the data with Dr. Frank. Dr. Frank also mentioned that fear is sometimes not a rational thought. And so I wanted to share a verse out of the book of John, 
chapter 14, verse 27, which says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It was so kind of Nellie to share the Lord's Prayer with us. At the beginning of that prayer, we are actually instructed, this is how you are to pray. And it goes, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are then encouraged to ask for daily provision, to ask for forgiveness, to forgive others, and to deliver us from evil. This is a prayer for us as individuals, a prayer for us as a nation, and a prayer for us as a world. Let it be. Thanks so much for hanging with me again this week. You can stay up to date on the Let It Be podcast and with me at all the social media platforms at Becky Ziegenfuss. That's Z-I-E-G-E-N-F-U-S-S. I hope you have the best week.